All right, welcome today. I'm pleased you're all here. I think we're going to end up with about 150 people who bothered to put a suit on today and come out in this heat. Thank you so much for being here. I think we've got a great topic, and uh, I think we're all interested in what happened to Maggie Daly's garden. And uh, we've got the folks that will tell us what's going on in Block 37. Before we get started with lunch and with the, um, the program, I'll let you eat in just a minute, but wanted to say a couple of things which uh, we need to get done. I'm Rick Page. I'm the president of the local chapter. And my role is to say thank you to our sponsors who are rolling across the screen. Please uh, pay attention to those that are supporting us. And if you are uh, somebody who could support us and aren't, uh, please let us know, because we'd love to, uh, love to have your support as well. Um, there are a couple of things I want to point out. We have a great and very uh, energetic University Alliance program. Um, and I believe we have uh, five or six students with us. Um, and uh, could they stand up? If you're a student now and you're uh, invited here as part of that program, would you stand up? Uh, those of us that are looking for employees, guys, this is a, a ripe uh, recruiting opportunity. Also, we have a very, very active Emerging Leaders program, um, and that doesn't, I don't qualify anymore, but it's the under 35 crowd. And uh, is John Wickman here? John did not make it? Okay. Um, and John Wickman heads up that effort, and they have a very active program um, focused on just that young crowd and mentoring programs and their own events. So please uh, look forward to the uh, website for upcoming events in that area. Um, also want to thank our uh, media who is here in force today. I believe we have represents, uh, representatives of Illinois Real Estate, Real Estate Journal, Cranes, and Midwest. Anybody I miss? Well represented. This program, like all our programs, uh, our podcast, uh, Young Man Up Here in Front, is recording this, and they will be posted on our website. So if you would like to share this with other people who couldn't be here today, point them in that direction. The podcasts are great, and we get, and they get a lot of, a, a lot of hits during the course of the month. Upcoming events on August 14th, we have our first suburban breakfast of the year. It'll be um, upcoming out at uh, Riverway in Rosemont, and Dan Ulbrich will talk to us about that upcoming program in just a moment. Also on August 21st, we'll have our first learning event. Now, you may be familiar only with these luncheons, which we have the second Thursday of every month, you may be familiar with our social events, which we have fairly often for networking and just having fun. But we also have throughout the year a number of learning events, and these take the form of a couple of hours in an evening, or upcoming a half-day session, and sometimes day and a half, two-day sessions. And so we call that our learning program. Upcoming on August 21st, we have a chance to uh, have a great speaker talk to us about the CRE professional in the global marketplace, managing a global uh, marketplace of real estate for corporations and institutions. And I've been asked to do this little exercise here because I think it applies to everybody. If you are somebody in this room and you have a relationship with somebody else who might not be in this room, who manages or has an interest in a global real estate firm, would you raise your hand? Do you have clients that manage global real estate? Do you manage global real estate? Could you recommend to them that they Take a look at our website and look at this opportunity to engage with other end users in the idea of how do we better manage global real estate. Uh, I think there's going to be a great opportunity. Uh, the guest speaker is Jim Hagee. He's put together a terrific program in this area. Also, uh, I think, Mirella, are you going to speak to us now about the upcoming opportunity for our New Horizons Garden Program and our Green Sustainable uh, Project? You probably have heard over the last few months we've been talking about New Horizons Community Garden that uh, Cornet has been uh, spearheading the effort together with United States Green Building Council, uh, Shed Studio, um, and several other organizations to put together this sustainable garden in East Garfield Park here in Chicago. 
We're extremely proud uh, with uh, this um, garden. It's uh, something that um, is going to make a difference for the particular community. And also it's very important that Cornet is really um, a leading force into this effort. And what we would like to share with you today is uh, that on July 18th, which is actually a week from tomorrow, we're having one of our upcoming volunteer days that um, our entire Cornet board team, as well as the Board of United States Green Building Council is going to participate as volunteers for building the cedar planters as well as the compost boxes. It is a fantastic team building exercise. At the end of the day, we really do something very good for, for the community as well as for the planet. And if you take a look, those are actually photos that have been taken over the last few months during the uh, previous Volunteers Day that we had. A um, few months ago, the entire 22 uh, team members of AT&T uh, corporate team, as well as their service providers, uh, joined us for one of the Volunteers Days in March, and that was really a tremendous success. So immediately after this Cornet luncheon, our um, New Horizons committee is meeting. Uh, Sharon Cron, who is right there, Sharon, and myself are co-chairing this committee, and if you would like to join us either as committee members or partial contributors to these volunteer days or learn more about how you can involve your companies uh, within this project, we would appreciate if you can join us immediately after this luncheon. And finally, I wanna mention that um, the permits for the um, construction are underway. Uh, the excavation, the carpentry, the union work, uh, major donors for steel and wood have been identified. However, we still need your participation either with uh, donations, personal, or with your companies. We're putting together a website that you can actually go to the New Horizons uh, garden uh, graphic and um, with a hyperlink, see how much you can donate against each individual boulder or piece of grass or bush. So um, please look forward to additional announcements related to that. And again, join us next Friday. It will be fantastic. East Garfield Park from nine o'clock to two o'clock. So thank you so much. Enjoy your lunch. Uh, as a tradition, make sure that you introduce yourself at the table, make some new friends and, um, and enjoy your lunch and the program. Thanks. All right, just a few announcements before we get the show on the road here. Um, there will be no lunch in August. We're taking a little summer break here. However, we will be hosting our first Chicago Suburban Breakfast event. So it's right around the same time frame there. It's that Thursday, August 14th, uh, 7.30 in the morning at the Riverway Auditorium in Rosemont. So mark your calendars now. Uh, it was a very successful event last year when we did this one. This year is a very timely event being that the topic for this one is fuel, fueling changes in corporate real estate. And this morning program is going to uh, feature speakers kind of from all the cross sections, from industrial, retail, corporate office, and really focus on how these rising fuel prices are impacting uh, and the economy are impacting real estate decisions across the board. Then we're gonna be going right back into our luncheon program on September 11th, with it's an annual event that we always do. It's kind of tales from the trenches. Uh, where corporate real estate executives we're going to have, they're going to share some lessons learned. So that one's, again, that's on Thursday, September 11th, back here, same time, same place. And then uh, following up will be on Thursday, November 13th, will be our annual 2008 Year in Review. <clears throat> Today's program, again, it's uh, Welcome to Block 37, a VIP pass to Chicago's historic redevelopment the new downtown mixed-use project under construction at Chicago's most famous and infamous land site. Just a little bit about today's speakers. We have, uh, with, with us today, we have Lee Golub, Executive Vice President. He has overall responsibilities for Golub's U.S. division, uh, experience that spans more than two decades of all facets of commercial real estate. He oversees the company's senior executives and their development, acquisitions, finance, marketing, leasing, sales, and asset management activities. Anything else? <laughs> uh, 
Mr. Golub guides the company's continued emphasis on office, residential, and mixed-use development and acquisitions. Under his leadership, the company has become a major developer and investor in the Midwest and beyond. And another tidbit is I've had the pl uh, pr pleasure of sharing the stage with him many times at the House of Blues. He is, he is the drummer for Dr. Bombay. <clears throat> all right. Also, all right, all right. We have Paul Fitzpatrick, Managing Director of Joseph Fried & Associates, an entrepreneurial real estate company that develops, acquires, and operates retail and mixed-use properties nationally. Companies dedicated to creating uh, environmentally responsible and sustainable development. Currently has properties in six states with over 8 million square feet of space and approximately 5,500 residential units. Mr. Fitzpatrick has extensive experience in development of mixed-use, transit-oriented properties and projects with significant historic preservation issues. Currently oversees uh, Joseph Reed's two major developments in Chicago, obviously the one we're here about today, Lock 37, and the Sullivan Center, formerly Carson Perry Scott Building. Mr. Fitzpatrick also has aspirations to sing in Lee's band, although I don't know if that's going to happen, though. So, Everybody, please welcome Paul Fitzpatrick and Lee Golub. Dan, there is one thing else, one more thing. There's one more thing that I do oversee at Golub, and that's our softball team. Okay, we have won four championships in the Downtown Real Estate Softball League, and that is probably the second most important thing in my life. <laughs> Besides my family. Don't ask what the first one is, yeah. <laughs> I had a good family. Um, thank you for having us on behalf of Paul and myself. We're very honored to be here. And we thought we'd, uh, Paul and I have given a lot of speeches about Block 37 in the last year. And, whoops. And that usually lost the coffee. Uh, we thought we'd do a little bit something different today. Instead of us just coming out and, you know, talking about the project, doing a PowerPoint, and you guys sit there, have your lunch, have your dessert, and, and all that. We're going to try to make this a much more interactive event. And along the way, we can give you some, some tidbits, and we have some slides and some, some presentation material, but hopefully this will flow in a, in a question, a Q&A interactive environment, because everybody has something to say or think or question about Block 37. I think most everybody here. So first thing I want to do is I want to go around the room. I don't know if we have any microphones. What does Block 37 mean to you? Anybody? Gallery 37. Gallery 37. Mm -hmm. Skating, Skating on state. This is like we're at the improv, okay? What else? <laughs> Garden. So, so far, the two things that have come up have nothing has to do with the development of the block. <laughs> Somebody else in the audience. Here we go. CBS. 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 Okay, that's good. We finally got something. I didn't hear. German. Oh, is that a, isn't that at Daily Center, Daily Plaza? That's across the street. That was okay. Okay. It's a big celebration. Do we need for the podcast? I know you guys said for uh, for microphones for the people in the audience. Okay, let's go. If we can get over here. CTA. CTA. Okay. Somebody else. Shopping at Montgomery Wards. That Shopping. goes back a long time. Shopping at Montgomery Wards? We just found the oldest gentleman in the crowd. Uh, that's about right. <laughs> I went there with my mother. I think they were closing the store at the time. Paul, do you remember that? No, I do not. I don't either. You want to help us out there, sir? <laughs> okay. I got one over here. Opportunity. 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 I like that. That's a good one. Took too long. That could be someone else's opportunity. <laughs> You're looking at two guys who took advantage of the opportunity. How much office space available? Okay. Where do you want to, where do you want to go with this? Uh, Let's go. Just one more. Okay, what? Unbelievable amount of money, and still we do not know how quickly we can get to O'Hare. <laughs> what about Midway? You can get there faster. <laughs> Why don't, I think we should use one of those slides and give a little brief history on... Okay, let's go to the, 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 a, a couple of quick facts, and then we'll get into this. And Block, interrupt, interrupt us at any time. Yes, and if you have questions, raise your hands. We're going to try to get people around to, 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 uh, to answer questions and get into an interactive in, uh, dialogue here. Block 37 was one of the original blocks in, in the Burnham plan. It was uh, Block 58, for those of you who are history buffs. Uh, obviously bordered at State, Dearborn, Randolph, and Washington streets. 
It was rich in development in lore in the 1800s. The original block had theaters on it, it had office, it had resident hotels. Uh, interestingly enough, it will have theaters and it will have hotels and it will have office <laughs> on it again. And, right. uh, and the site had sat undeveloped, actually vacant. It was raised in 1989 and that's when the next slide comes into play where in, the entire block was demolished and you see pictures of the skating on state, you see pictures of Gallery 37, uh, you see pictures, I don't know what this is in uh, this lower left picture, it looks more like the gallery. But in, in, 19, uh, in, in 2001, uh, Mayor Daley, our current Mayor Daley, uh, decided that the city needed to get something done and so the city basically decided to purchase the block back from the developer who had control of the block, which was a, a venture of Larry Levy, Met Structures, and JMB, who had uh, signed a development agreement with the city back in 1983, I believe. <laughs> and for six years, nothing happened with their, with their project, so the city ended up uh, deciding to buy the property back. Because Actually, it was taking too long. Pardon? Because it was taking too long. Because it was taking too long. And they did something different. They decided instead of having one master developer, they would bring, instead of having one developer for the site, they bring in a master developer and then maybe piece it off into different parcels, very similar to other mixed use projects that go on today. But what happened in 2005, Mills Corporation, there was an RFQ that went out in, in 2000, I think three, I can't remember when it was. And a lot of local developers bid on it. We didn't. We didn't either. Freed didn't. JMB did. Buck did. U.S. Equities. Uh, Michael Reske. There's a whole bunch of different groups that came in and, and made proposals and bid to try to get control of the block to get into a development agreement with the city. And Mills Corporation, for those who don't know, Mills was a, uh, a retail developer that started in the early 80s, I think, doing these Mills concepts, which was the outlet mall retail developments in suburban areas around the country. Uh, the closest one that you all know here is Gurney Mills. Um, and they came in and they basically blew away the city with their plans to do a, a retail development on the site. It was essentially a, a four-story retail development and that's all it was going to be. City gave them the rights to, uh, to develop the site. They were negotiating a redevelopment agreement. And along comes, somebody mentioned CBS. Joe Ahern, who was the general manager of ABC for several years in the 90s, I think 80s into the 90s, who had left to go to San Francisco. He came back to Chicago in 2003 or 4, I can't remember at that moment. And the first thing Joe did was he met with the mayor and he said, I want to move my studio from a piece of crap on McClure Court, which I currently own that building. <laughs> and so it is, and I can't wait that. till they leave so we can knock it down. To, I want to have a studio that's overlooking Daly Plaza. I want to be there. I want it to be like New York. All the, the cool studios are happening. I want it to be interactive. I want people. And I want to be right there on the corner. So then Mayor Daly went to Mills and said, guess what? You just got yourself an anchor tenant. Now we're going to put an office building on the site. And again, Mills is a retail suburban kind of developer. And at the time, CBS was going to move all of their facilities from McClure Court and other operations they had around the city. It was going to be about a 250,000 square foot build to suit on the corner. That was great. And then another group comes in and says, I want something else to happen. And that was the CTA. That was the CTA. CTA said, you know what, Mayor? And the Mayor and CTA got together and said, I want to have, we want to have this, this, this station here, which is going to be uh, able to have express trains to Midway and express, express planes to O'Hare. How fast we get there, we don't know, whoever, answer, whoever asked that question. And this is going to be a spot where, uh, similar to in London, which station in London is it? Paddington Station? I forgot. Where you could actually check in your luggage. Your luggage will get to your flight. All you need to do is get, to the, get on, the, on the train, and you're, you're all checked in. And we want to have that here. And so Mills now has a dilemma on their hands. A retail developer, they want to build a four-story kind of media interactive retail situation, and now they have a governmental authority that says, I want to put a train station basically four levels below grade here. Running diagonally through the Running site. diagonally across the site, if, and there'll be some slides here later you can see where basically it hooks in, it, it ties into Dearborn and ties into state diagonally right across the site. And 
I want to build an office building over here. Okay, so now, now the fun starts because Mills doesn't, Mills doesn't do that. Well, but, to be fair to that, not a lot of people do that. I mean, that's not, this that's is not a, a plan that a lot of people could pick up and do. Well, talk a little bit about the, the negotiation between the CTA and Mills and, and what happened there. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not that familiar on the history of it, uh, other than what I've read during our due diligence. Freed acquired the retail and residential portion on April 13th of last year. So it's just over a year that we've owned this project. So the history and the conversation that has happened uh, and the negotiations is, uh, whether it was the CTA station or the retail component, was really something we had to just trust and move forward. Uh, so I can't give that history lesson. Okay, I'll give it for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's older than I am. So. <laughs> I guess I worked on it more than you. CTA wanted to build a, a, a substation there, or a, a main station, and one of the things that CTA usually does, as we've seen around the city, is they usually control their own development and they do it themselves. Mills thought, there's no way in heck I'm going to let a governmental authority be, be, I don't want to be the tail wagging the dog here. So they spent about two years negotiating a document that's about this thick, about how they're going to pay for it and who's going to run. So basically there's a development agreement signed with Mills as the developer for the CTA. And that was part of what Mills was doing, and it took a long time to do that. In the meantime, they're still negotiating with CBS to, to move to move over there and build a building over there, and they hired Perkins and Will, I know we have some Perkins and Will folks here, to design an office building. They also at that time had, had hired Gensler Associates to design the retail, so they brought in two different architects for two of the different uses. And they, at the same time, were thinking about building, if we're gonna build a, a 250,000 foot office building, why don't we build more? You know, most developers who are office developers would, would salivate it thought I got CBS for 250,000, let's go build a million square feet. Let's go build a big building. And a lot of people have asked me, why is it only a 16-story building on the corner over there? And the Lee, reason why is, is it only a 16-story building on the thank corner? Thank you, Paul, thanks for asking that question. <laughs> the reason there's only a 16-story building over there is during this negotiation, CBS's requirement went in half. It split in half because they decided not to take the radio station with them. So a 250,000 square foot requirement became a 125,000 square foot requirement. And they wanted, for their own security reasons and their own image reasons, to be the only tenant there. They didn't want anybody else sharing the spotlight with them. So there was a whole bunch of months that went by where Mills decided, okay, and the city also said, well, we can't just have a four-story building, essentially, on the corner right overlooking Daly Plaza. That's an underuse of, of the site. So they went and they did two separate designs at the same time with Perkins Will. They designed a little four or five story, five story building just for CBS. And they designed a building that was the current building, 16 stories, with the hopes to go lure another tenant. Something you typically don't do, go spend money designing two buildings at the same time when you get uh, dates you need to deal with and try to find another tenant. But they were able to get Morningstar as an anchor tenant, because Morningstar was in the marketplace looking for something really cool, different, uh, media-related, interactive, very forward-thinking kind of firm. And so Morningstar really loved the concept of being with the retail, being with the media, being in the mall, having, having a whole bunch of things over there. So the building got designed essentially where it's a two build-to-suits within one building. You've got a five-story building, which is CBS, and they have their own core. And that's why the building is only 16 stories, because they have a full core for those architects in the room for five floors, for 100,000 feet. And then you have another uh, 11 floors above that, which essentially is another elevator core for just Morningstar. So it's two build-to-suits in one. So fast-forwarding, how did Gallup get involved? So fast-forwarding, Mills, who was a retail developer, who was now working on an office development and working on a below-grade underground CTA development, also had gotten some financial trouble. They were publicly traded REIT. They had broken ground in November of 2005. They had most, the most lavish groundbreaking I've ever been to. Anybody else attend that groundbreaking? Was it the most lavish groundbreaking you've ever seen? <laughs> they spent a lot of money on that. And construction started, and three months later, construction stopped. They had some accounting issues with the SEC, and basically Mills' of stock dropped, I don't know what percentage, and they stopped paying the bills, so the contractors stopped working. It was at this point that they decided to hire uh, an investment broker to basically sell certain parts of the deal. 
One is, let's sell the office building. Let's sell what we've designed. Let's sell the lease with Morningstar. Let's sell the lease with CBS. And during this other two-year, two, three-year process, there, go back to that slide that has the, the whole, the whole uh, the project. Yeah, mm -hmm. the stacking plan. Okay. Also, during, that, during the time they were working with CBS and Morningstar and with the CTA, they had come up with a concept of which we actually were involved with Mills a little bit on the side with let's design air rights above. We have the office building in one corner at State and Dearborn, but there's, there's four corners over here. And there's three, three corners are left, essentially two corners because the office building almost gets mm -hmm. to the east on, on Washington Street. But let's design air rights for a future hotel or residential. And Gensler and Mills had designed this concept of building one building along Randolph Street, the entire from State to Dearborn, that would be a hotel and then residential above it. So this was something that Mills decided to sell the air rights. So they went to residential groups, they went to office groups around the country, they hired HFF to sell the air rights and to sell the office building that now had stopped construction, but they still at least had two leases that were executed. We bid on both of them. We bid on the residential, we came in, we did our own plans, hired our own architect, looked at you know, building a residential apartment building, building a residential condo building, and also bid on buying the office building. And at some point in time, after about six or seven or eight months of just not hearing back from them, we basically went back to Mills because they were in such disarray and said, you know what, we're out of the game. We just want the office building. If you want us to do the residential building, then you gotta give us the office building. Another four months went by, a new chairman came in, I got a call one morning, I was on vacation, and I didn't even know who this gentleman was, he was the new chairman at Mills, and he said, do you guys want to buy it all? I said, yes. He says, great, you got due diligence in 30 days and close. I said, no problem. <laughs> that was in March of 2006, we closed on October 31st of 2006. So 30 <laughs> days of due diligence turned into about nine months. It was uh, very, very interesting and, and complicated structure that, that had been created here within these components with the office building, the mall of which Mills was still going to own the retail and develop the retail while we were going to take over the construction and development of the office building. And in the future, we would do air rights above the retail whenever they finished it for a residential condo and a residential rental building. And then the CTA, they would still handle the CTA below and the parking below. Right. Then, and then Freed got involved Specifically on the retail component, the, the director at Mills, Steve Jacobson, was running the project for Mills, left about a year and a half into the process, and, and is now working with Joseph Fried and Associates. But it never, we never really thought about Block 37. We own the million-square-foot Sullivan Center, which is a block south at State and Madison. And after Carson's chose to close that one store, we got back another 600,000 square feet, of which 250 were creating retail. So in order to expand the retail by more than 100% made Block 37 very attractive to us. Um, so we fast-tracked our due diligence also. Um, during this time, uh, Mills was selling their entire company, which Simon eventually bought. Um, Block 37 was never on Simon's radar because it, it really is only 280,000 square feet of retail. And when you own tens of millions of square feet, 280,000 square feet of retail doesn't move the needle, nor is it built and it's very complicated, and the, the, they don't have a lot of stuff in Chicago. So it was a natural acquisition for us um, to acquire the retail component of Block 37. Since then, <laughs> now I want to get into some more questions because a lot, of, a lot of things come to my mind. Since then, we gave up our air rights. We had a clause in our contract that we can give them up to do in the residential. We did that over about almost a year and a half, uh -huh. almost two years ago. Um, and just developed and owned the office building with our partners. And Freed has been working on uh, a concept to do a hotel and maybe some residential, which would be wonderful for the block, wonderful for downtown, wonderful for the retail, wonderful for the office, and it's something that we hope definitely gets done in the future. Sure. Um, okay, we give you a little bit of history about the past. I didn't go into a lot of history before 1989, 83, but I'm assuming that there got to be questions because a lot of those things that we talked about in the beginning, we've covered. So I got to believe there's other questions that we have. And I, I'm going to go through the physical layers. And you want to do that first, or you want to? I don't know. Let's see what they got. Let's for see us. what they got. All right. Who, who are your anchor tenants in the 
anchor tenants in the mall. Uh, currently, our anchor tenants in the mall are David Barton Gym. We have a 35,000 square foot, we can probably hop there. We have a 35,000 square foot David Barton Gym on the fourth floor, which is our top level of retail. And Hang we on. have a- Hang on, let's see, let's get to it. Keep, nope. One more. Keep going, one more. There you go. That's the fourth floor. That's the top floor of the retail component over there. Uh, the west half is uh, all David Barton. The east half is a seven-screen, 800-seat, premium, premium seating only, a movie co-theater with a 6,000-square-foot restaurant component that'll face the atrium. Uh, we also have uh, Rosa Mexicano out of New York, going to do 14,000 square feet. On the hard corner, the second you can go floor. down one more. This is the first floor. On the hard corner of Randolph and, Wa Randolph and Dearborn, they'll have about 4,000 square feet there, and then they're going to go up to the second floor. Next slide, please, ma'am. And take that 10,000 square feet. On top of that, the third floor, we're doing a 21,000 square feet with Rich Melman. Nice. Uh, to do a new concept for a food emporium. Those would be our, our key anchors. Yes. Hello. Hi. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know how to use mic. I'm so young. It's quite a fact. Well, uh, Rick mentioned that I have to introduce myself first uh, before I came here. My name is Char Kemmer. I'm with Deloitte Corporate Real Estate Group. Uh, this is my first Cornet meeting. I, uh, I was in uh, Houston last six, seven years. So with Cornet over there, but it's a nice crowd here. <laughs> It's much bigger than Houston. Uh, my question is going to be, uh, what is the parking ratio? I think it's 400 spaces, sure. but what is the ratio? It looks a little bit low. The, the ratio, Thank you. Um, it can be measured obviously several ways. The 400 parking spaces that we have here, ratio of the 280,000 square feet um, is one way to measure it. The other way to measure it would be versus the residential component. We're going to have about 400 luxury rental units. Uh, what percentage of parking you need to successfully develop the residential component, we're not sure. Um, but we're currently programmed to have um, about 90% of those spaces as daily fee parking spaces. Um, so I can answer that question several different ways, but I'm not sure which one. The, the interesting part about that question is when Mills was doing the original design, the city wanted no parking whatsoever on the block. And Mills fought for some because they knew that part of their plan. The retail, again, I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect the retail wasn't really the driver for the parking on Mills's behalf. It was really the future hotel and residential development that they were foreseeing for themselves or for someone else, even ourselves. And so the parking basically is at levels B2 and B3. And, B4. and, it's, and it's stuck in as much as, it's only in the area that was left. Right. Because again, at, at B4, you have a train track. At B3, you basically have the platform, just like we're used to going on the LSCTA. That's where your platform is. And part of the site that didn't take that diagonal on that platform became parking. And on B2, above it, whatever wasn't used for other service or anything else became parking. So parking became an afterthought in the initial plans. Sure. And I don't, is anyone from Gensler here? Oh, they didn't come. And then, <laughs> and logistically. Michael, well, you want to you add to that? Yeah, what you said is true, Lee. Sorry, it really, there were so many, Palmer. Mike Palmer from Perkins and Will. Uh, we worked on the master plan originally with Mills. And, uh, <clears throat> that's exactly right, Lee. There's there so many things happening on the site. Finished your That was just, <laughs> it was just whatever you had left over for us parking. And the, the city was willing to negotiate that because they realized with the CTA, demands on loading was a big factor as well that you just got in whatever parking you could fit. So parking became an afterthought. Right. And so, you know, the operationally too, there's, there's, there's operationally challenge, challenges specifically because you're in the loop, but uh, they're amplified at this project. What, what this B1 level shows, you can see two ramps coming down. The southern ramp is the ramp that goes down to the parking garage. The northern ramp, that blue section at the top, is actually the loading dock. It's a loading dock for the retail component, it's a loading dock for the office, it's a loading dock for the hotel, and it's a loading dock for the residential component. And it's a loading dock for the CTA. So operationally, this is gonna be very busy down there. We're gonna have a lot of big guys working down there for us. Go, go to the B2, B3, B4. I didn't bring those. Didn't oh, you didn't bring them? Yeah. Then those, those don't, do cut. No, don't do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. 
Another question? Come on. I mean, I can talk forever, but I, I can feel like talking. I, I'll physically step people through the retail component. OK, go. And see what kind of questions come through there. Um, start there. Or anywhere. Here's good, too. <laughs> this is directly across from Macy's. This is the state in Washington corner. The building directly okay, west of it is the office building. Uh, to the north, you're seeing some renderings of eventual residential component. But as you can see here, there's four levels of retail above grade, one level below. Um, the design, the, the, the exterior facade, um, it, this is the same facade that is uh, designed for all four elevations. Uh, it was really designed to reflect the surrounding, as well as the office building, was, was really designed to reflect the surrounding architecture. So during the day, it's going to continue to reflect not only um, the Burnham Hotel, all of the theaters, Macy's building, uh, but then at night, too, it's going to play off of some of those images on the outside of the building. The other positive on this design from a pure retail perspective is all, although it's a vertical mall, all four levels have glass so you can see what's going on in there. There's, you know, our, our, our classic uh, vertical malls here in Chicago are, if you Enclosed. didn't know what they were, they're granite boxes. Um, so I think it's going to help the retail component a lot. Sure, this is um, probably our best rendering of the interiors. What we did, one of the things that we did when we um, bought this project from Mills is really relook at how the pedestrian traffic flow works. We've re redone our escalator pattern. Uh, we've redone our corridors. We've re redone a lot of things. But this, you're standing on the B2 level, looking across the mall. Below, you'll, you're looking down into the pedway. Our pedway is going to have the same fit and finish as the balance of the mall. So there isn't going to, it's not going to feel like the pedway that exists today. Uh, first floor, second floor, we're going to have uh, LED screens inside of the mall for activity, for signage opportunities. Uh, and at the top, you see a glass skylight or an atrium. So we'll be able to get natural light all the way from the roof level all the way down to the pedway itself. The other major thing that we did is we have two main glass elevators that serve the entire, originally serve the entire retail portion. We've taken those elevators to go all the way down to B4 for the parking level and then go through the roof for eventually we're going to create a public garden on the fifth floor after we complete the residential components. So it'll be the first public garden in the city of Chicago that, people, that everybody can use. It's not going to be solely used for the hotel or the residents or or the people within the mall. You can literally come in and, and go to the fifth floor. How do you access it? You're going to access it directly through the mall. So you're going to have to come in through the center and take those escalators up, sorry, elevators up to the roof, or you can access it from the residential component. And then there's a stair also coming off the office building that if they'd like, we could do that. We should talk. We, we got to talk about that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. We'll go to, we'll, we'll have to the, we'll have to the next, there actually is a pedway slide, sure. Why not? Uh, I'm not sure how many people are familiar. I think everyone's familiar we have a pedway. I don't know how much time people are spending in the pedway these days, and that's one of the challenges. The gentleman from Houston might not know this yet. We have a pedway. <laughs> um, and Block 37 historically is, has been the hub and has been closed for, for a long time. So the traffic on the pedway, the retail on the pedway, if, there's any, if Ralph Hughes is here from Macy's, he obviously doesn't like the fact that he doesn't have any retail <laughs> down there right now. Um, nor, so it doesn't allow the traffic from the east to come over, but also blocks everything from Daly Plaza and the traffic there. So there's actually five miles of Pedway system uh, within the city of Chicago. As it says, there's 40 buildings that are connected. And again, at State and Washington, when we reconnect that, you'll be able to walk anywhere in the city through the Pedway system. Um, if we go to the floor plans again. You always got to go through the office right to get here. to the retail. I love it. It's great. <laughs> so uh, on, on B1, um, you, see, you see the pedway running through the middle of the center. On the north of the pedway is about 17,000 square feet of retail, which is where the tenants are that we announced yesterday are going. Uh, and to the south is the future CTA station, where you enter the ticketing area on the east, go in and flow down the escalators down to the platform. But when we finish the, finish the retail, on the east side, the doors will open, will punch through the wall, you have direct access to the red line, and the same on the west. So upon grand opening, we're also going to reopen the entire Pedway system. Well, how long will it be open until at night? Is it 24, 24 hours? 24 hours a day. Is Macy's 24 hours? It is not. Nor is the Cultural Center, nor is Daily Plaza. But again, there's, there's not a, the traffic flow needed yet, so we're hoping to be a catalyst to continue that. Yes? Here, sir. What is it that CTA 
EPA is not doing, the descriptions in the paper sure. I just could not understand. Sure. What? Do the question again for the. Repeat the question. What is the CTA not doing that originally was planned for the site, um, which is obviously in the plans that, that we bought also? What they're doing right now is, <coughs> is they're deferring the opening of the station. So we're going to complete the below grade base building work. We're going to have it, we're going to have the, all of the base building equipment down in there. It'll be, they won't have any finishes though. We're not going to finish the escalators, the stairs, no paint. Um, the, their south wall we're going to use as a merchandising wall and an advertising wall, so it's not going to impact our retail. Uh, the other reality is that when this station opens, if the station opens prior to the express tracks being available, it's just another stop on the red line and blue line. Because if you get on the blue line there and you head out to O'Hare, you're in line with all the other blue line trains. Same thing when the red line would transfer to the orange line. So the, the main clarification that needs to happen is that even if they opened when we opened, it's, it would still have been just another stop along the red and blue line. The huge positive here is that we're going to reopen the pedway so you'll be able to transfer to the red and blue lines here. I don't know if that helps. Yes, yes. Question? I don't know. Can you I'm repeat, sorry, can can you re Go repeat the question? Is the CTA putting in separate tracks for the express train station? I'm not sure. I haven't seen that engineering and actually how they're going to make that happen. I don't believe so. I don't know for sure, but I don't believe so. I mean, we don't have the slide. Basically, if you continue on the right slide from the white, if you were below grade at B4, that white going across is where the track goes. So that's how it basically connects on, on the west side is the Dearborn, and on the, on the east side is Washington. It connects both ways through there. That's how, as Paul's saying, you're just one of the many stops along the way. Sure. I think at some point, it'll be an express train that just goes and just bypasses all the other stops. Right. So I don't really or think it's Or is timed properly that time. it's not yeah. in queue. Um, stepping up to the first floor, there's, as this looks like there's only three ent entrances, we created a fourth entrance, which is just to the east of Rosa Mexicana on Randolph, and I'll, I'll get to the rationale for that. Uh, again, the design of these entrances are important for several reasons, but, but the location of the, of the entrances are important. The north one on Randolph facing north lines up directly with the Chicago Theater marquee. The south one on State Street lines up directly with the Marshall Fields clock. And the Dearborn entrance lines up directly with the Picasso. So you're, you're pulling in all of those elements, ar uh, architectural and, and, and uh, artistic elements within the center. Functionality reasons, we created this new entrance off of Randolph where it's a very small entrance. You come in and there's an escalator up and down. Can you go to the next one quickly? Which takes you up into the second floor. So you can at least get into the mall. That whole corner was, was tied off of the mall. There was never direct access. And what that does, it'll dump you on the second floor, but we also created uh, a, an up-only, express up-only, which dumps you in the middle of the food court. So you're able to capture that whole West Loop population for lunchtime that they don't have to figure out how to get all the way up there. It's in and up as quick as possible. We did the same thing up at Dearborn. We came in up at Dearborn, there's an express up to two, up-only, and then up-only to three. So our goal is to try and get as many people up there during their lunchtime as possible. I have a question, Paul. Sounds like you guys have done a whole bunch of redesign on the retail. Yes. When you guys were in due diligence and knew you were going to buy it, did you know you were going to be doing all this redesign? No. No, we didn't. Actually, um, the redesign... Is that a good is question? A yeah. Okay, thanks. That's a, that's a good question, Lee. <laughs> um, no, we truly didn't, we truly didn't know um, because I think uh, properly we identified the weaknesses within the team, and the weaknesses within the team is that we don't have a lot of interior mall expertise. So as we were doing our due diligence, due diligence, we were also looking for those professionals to bring on board, um, whether they're design, whether they're construction, marketing, operations. So the team uh, that are working on Block 37 is dramatically different from the team that we had in place when we bought it. So it, it was truly an evolution. And still is. We're still changing things. <laughs> if there's anyone from O'Neill here, they'd tell you. Is anyone here from O'Neill? Okay. <laughs> That's good. Any other questions about what's going on at the block? Hi. Um, my office overlooks the site, actually, so we've been watching the construction for the last year and a half. I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm Margie Sweeney with Bliss PR. <laughs> and um, my question is, there is a patio that looks like it connects to the Morningstar space in the office building. Who owns that, and how did you work that out? That is the infamous Morningstar Terrace. 
that was designed and redesigned many, many times before we came to the plate. But that is uh, an exclusive terrace for Morningstar, only accessible from their seventh floor, I believe, sixth or seventh floor. It's an outdoor area that will be landscaped, kind of like, uh, well, I don't want to say I've never seen it, but I've been heard, kind of like Joe Mansueto's backyard. Um, he's the chairman of Morningstar. It's going to have trees, big trees. There's How big huge, is it? Huh? How big is the deck? It's about, it started out in, in the original lease that was negotiated, and Michael Palmer and Kristen can, can talk about this. It was about 2,000 square feet when it started out, and as they got into design, it grew and grew and grew to almost 4,000 square feet. It would be sitting on top of the, the stairwell that's mechanical on the west right. side of the, east it's, side of the office it's, building. It's that area that's just to the east of the blue in the office building. But it will be a, when it's done, it will be a very, very nice place to hang out. <laughs> but only accessible for Morningstar, their employees, and their guests. Are they accepting applications? Yes. <laughs> Good enough. I question quick, in the back. Yeah, I have a quick question. Um, with all the talk about the natural lighting, I'd like to hear that. What about LEED or Energy Star? Sure. Are you sure. guys going for um, that? Again, when we, when we bought this project, it was uh, fully designed, fully permitted, and under construction. So uh, what we've done is actually this project, as well as the Sullivan Center, we've um, actually been selected to participate within a new division of LEED. This is a LEED ND for a neighborhood district, so we're, we're doing what we can with the existing retail structure, uh, and then gonna focus uh, more on the sustainability within the residential components as they come, come on board. And the office building is? LEED? No, not, not Matt. Okay. And did as much uh, energy efficiency that worked with the program of the two major tenants, right. but okay. not there was not a literal lead requirement at the time when we were designing either. So and and from our standpoint, when we got to the deal, it was all designed, it was already done. We really couldn't change much of what was already already done by Mills and their design team and and the prior prior groups. Some of the tenant development and. In particular, Morningstar, uh, or they have uh, uh, photo cell controls for their window shades. And how do you know that? Underfloor air. And how do you know that? Uh, I'm with the. He's basically trying to say, <laughs> "Who are you? Who are you?" <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Kristen Rosebro with Perkins and Will. We're the base building architect for the media tower. And so, through the development of the construction and a relationship with the tenants in the building. I know those things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the office building, just for a couple of facts, it is 16 stories, 440,000 square feet. And C gorgeous. Absolutely Thank gorgeous. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Perkins and Will. Mm -hmm. It is a CBS. Has, it, they will have their, their broadcast uh, uh, studio will be there. There's a second. So on the uh, right at the corner overlooking, uh, looking onto the plaza will be where the nightly news is, where Rob Johnson and Ann State will be doing their newscast from. They have a second studio they built, uh, a la Oprah and NBC. There's a, there's a 5,000 square foot studio on the first floor that they will try to uh, syndicate out to other TV shows or other syndicated shows. It's an income producer for them, but it's also a really cool space. You've got 5,000 square feet of 20 foot, you know, column free space with unbelievable acoustics. That's where the band Dan not wants to go play. <laughs> um, and then Morningstar is taking the rest of the building, essentially. They're on the floors 6 through 13. They have options for the rest of the, uh, the space. And so on the interim, during some options, we've signed a lease with a, a group called Sterling Business Centers. But essentially, the office building is, like I said, it's CBS and Morningstar. CBS is uh, projecting to go live on, July 22nd, on uh, September 22nd. And Morningstar will be moving in sometime in October. Their space is being built. There will be uh, just, uh, I know CBS is going to start to advertise this, but on July 21st from Daily Plaza at 7 a.m., the morning show will be uh, telecast from Daily Plaza and John Mellencamp will be playing. Ooh. And then on September 22nd, we believe the morning show again will be telecast live from Daily Plaza. Still working on the musical group. I can guarantee you it will not be Dr. Bombay. <laughs> um, and then at night, Katie Couric will be doing her live uh, nightly news from the building. So, some fun facts about that. That's exciting. This is CBS's uh, space. This is their Picasso Cafe, obviously looking over the Picasso. 
I won't say whose office that is, but it's somebody <laughs> pretty important there. Uh, these are basic facts. Pretty pictures are better. <laughs> Any other questions? Sir? Okay. Microphone's coming. Hold on. I had a question on the uh, retail, sorry. <laughs> uh, post Bloomingdale's and Chicago Place, um, although they had Nordstrom's, a lot of the retail development has been direct access off the street and you decided to, which is much more expensive, build a common area, traditional mall, sure. vertical mall. Uh, what, what decisions or factors went into that uh, choice? Um. If I knew, I'd tell you. Again, when we it's bought an excellent the building, question, though. but it's a great question. I mean, uh, I think originally when, when Mills was answering the RFQ and the original plans, it was three levels of retail. Um, obviously, the, the value of the dirt is going to demand a density that you need to figure out. Um, they were requested for several, for, from several um, people to do more retail than that and develop this plan. So when we inherited this plan, it's um, you know, something that we're, we're, we're leasing up right now. But not, but not being part of the original decision, I'm not sure. What happened to the air rights above the mall? Uh, are they? What happened? The question is, what happened to the air rights above the mall? Sure. The air rights are still in existence. There's still a PD that allows for 800 either hotel rooms or 800 uh, residential dwelling units or a combination of either or. So you can split it up 400, 400, 600, 200. And those so rights are owned by Joseph Freed. And that is owned by Freed. We gave those rights up. Freed inherited them when they bought the deal from Mills. Now, one thing that, that hasn't been asked, and I, I'm going to give you my two cents, and a lot of people say, well, why did it take so long for something to finally happen on Block 37? And my answer is when JMB was originally uh, trying to do this development, they signed a, an agreement with the city in 1983, and there was a big office development boom in 85, 86, and 87 in downtown Chicago. But there were there's some a, environmentalists. There's a big book There's a big book about, about it, right. The, the environmentalists got a hold of the, the situation here and really wanted, which was the McCarthy building, which was one of the buildings on the block, they wanted to preserve the building. And so this was in court for a number of years. The city could not basically deliver the site to them because the city had to demolish and deliver the site to the developer. And by the time that got done, basically they lost the whole market. So in 1989, when they finally were able to accomplish this and they demolished the site, minus the ComEd substation, um, they lost a whole, an entire office market. Now we're in 1989, 90, 91, 92. Some of you were around, and it was as bad as maybe as it's going to be now, but it was, it was pretty bad <laughs> back then. And through the 90s, there was nothing going on. In the early 90s and mid-90s, there was no office market. There was no residential market. There was no hotel market. There was no retail. There was no development happening. And... JMB, finally, as the markets were turning in the mid-96, 97, um, where there was, and again, in, in the loop, we hadn't seen the trans Millennium Park wasn't done. It wasn't even thought about yet. You hadn't had the theater district. There wasn't, there wasn't this in, 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 uh, the integration of, of residential and retail that's coming back in the loop. The, the universities weren't there. The retail on State Street, none of that was there yet. So none of that was there. And, and then when they came up with it, plus the city had final say over any design that they came up with. And JMB hired Helmut Jan, they hired Cone Patterson Fox, their last design was uh, Solomon Corbel Benz, and the last design was essentially a, a, a Lord and Taylor retail anchor, a couple of levels, with a hotel above. Now we have one structure, hotel. Retail hotel. It was retail hotel condo. I think office was out of the plan. And it was a very similar to what JMB has been able to do with Water Tower and with 900. As a vertical mixed-use development where, again, huge numbers to finance, huge, you know, dollar volume, just a huge deal. And in the marketplace, at that time, you had to do uh, pre-sales for condos, which was probably achievable, but there was no hotel market at the time. So the stars would have to align from a financing standpoint for each one of these separate uses to be in play at that time. And finally, that last plan didn't work because they couldn't get a hotel group. So that's when the city decided we've had enough. We'll buy the land back. They, they uh, structured the deal with Neil Bloom. They, they made that deal. And everything changed then because now the city owned it, and the city now wanted to see something done. Instead of, show me your plans, and yeah, I like that, or I don't like that. You know, we all heard about Harrods. We'd heard about the gourmet foods, the marijuana, all this stuff. It's a different 
different situation where now the city needs to see something happen, so they're going to be a lot more aggressive in pushing it. So when Mills took over the deal, one, you know, and we were introduced to Mills through CBS because, again, we had owned a property near CBS. We were trying to lure them to our property, and Joe Ahern said, I like Eugene, my dad, and Lee. You guys are great guys, but I really want to be over here at, at State Street at Block 37, so why don't you go go to the Mills guys and go talk to them. So we were introduced to Mills through CBS. We didn't know Mills from Adam. and never did anything with them. And we looked at the design. Now what we did know was that SCB, who's an architect who does a lot of our projects, was the last architect who did this project design for JMB. We knew they knew a lot about the site, what can happen on the site. And when we were talking to Mills, we said, you've got, you know, we brought the, the, the perspective of you've got an office anchor, you've got an office building, go do that, build more. You've got retail, that's what you do, that's good. So there's air rights, do air rights situation, design for the future, put the infrastructure in, down to the ground, but allow for a financing to happen when the market was right for a hotel or for the market was right for a residential. And that's essentially what has happened. And that's one of the reasons why they're able to get it done because they were a retail developer and they had the anchor with the office tenant that showed up out of left field between CBS and Morningstar. Question. Hi, I'm Sharon. What would you have done differently if you had been able to develop those plans from, from scratch? <laughs> oh, how much time mm. do we have? Um, I know a couple of things differently we would have done in the office building. Yeah. Uh, we, we definitely would have built a bigger building. We would have convinced CBS somehow, some way, not to uh, have that situation happen where they wouldn't allow anybody else in, or we would have impeded on more retail space to put another core in to allow for another elevator bank that would have gotten us more square footage. We also would have gone deeper below grade. Right now there's a one level below grade in the office building which is only for CBS's vans and trucks which you see all over town. Uh, there was thought about going two levels below and creating a real loading dock in an office building but Mills thought that was going to cost too much money and they decided against it. Thus the whole loading situation for the office building is almost a block away on the corner at Randolph and State Street. That is definitely the two biggest things we would have done differently on the office sure. design, without uh, question. And probably would have looked at, at separating the office building from the re retail building structurally. Right. You know, during construction, yeah, the, the design works, uh, works flawlessly when they're built all at the same time. That didn't happen. The office building was built first. The retail building might not have ever happened. Right. Uh, so that was never part of the design scheme. Uh, it, it's obviously working today. And then we would have spent more time on focusing on the residential presence that exists on Randolph, as well as physically, how are you going to build those towers in the future? Um, Mills's thinking was: is we're not we're retail guys, we're not we're not residential guys, so we're going to give them what we're going to give them, and we're going to move on with our lives. So um, it would have been probably thought out a little differently as as the pieces should have been. It was very hard to get any kind of street level square footage out of Mills because they were just looking at it from. That's retail income I'm giving up. And we fought and fought and fought and got to a point where we did the best we could and then we decided to walk away from it. The, the, the core right in the middle of Randolph is the core uh, for 100% of the residential component. So on each side of that elevator bank, you have a hotel lobby entrance and a residential apartment entrance. Um, granted, there's sky lobbies for both of the uses, but there's not a lot of room there uh, to get 800 things in the air. Isn't it fair to say, though, that a lot of what you're uh, stating in terms of what you would have done... Here, here it's coming right now. Isn't it fair to say that a lot of what you might have done differently can indeed be incorporated at a future date when the residential towers are, de are developed? No. No. The, the problem was is that the core and everything going below grade was already... In, under construction when we were negotiating all these things. And so we couldn't really play with anything different at street level or below. We changed some things around below, but at street level, typically you'd have a, a lobby, your apartment building. We build a lot of apartments and condos. You walk in at street level, you have your mail, you have your doorman. This is a sky lobby situation where in a hotel is going to be, you only have that space that, that, that Mills gave us. So you have to go, everything now has to go up in the air on six or seven levels above. So you have, you have to get above the retail to start doing all right. these normal service functions that you would put in, in a hotel or a residential lobby. I guess 
The answer is yes, we could have tore it all out and spent a lot of money and redone it, but it would have cost a lot of money and right. many lives. So we kept it the way it was. And, and to Lee's previous point, the, the retail, at least from our acquisition, the retail is what underwrote the ability to continue to build the project. So the, the retail square footage is very valuable. Um, so you're, you're, you have two different pro formas, and which one are, are you working with? How much time do we have, RJ? Read the book. <laughs> More questions? Are we covered? Sure. Again, when, when we bought the project, it wasn't, there the wasn't a, The question was against sustainability and, and lead certification. Um, the sustainability of the retail project is actually a different lead certification. It's called lead ND. It's for neighborhood development, which is a, a less of a certification. But it's what we can do with what was designed when we bought it. And we're going to work on the sustainability at a different level for the residential components when those are built. Rick? OK. I think. Uh, Please a round of applause for our speakers. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Uh, handed out just recently is the uh, evaluation. Please give us your feedback. Tell us about other topics you'd like to hear about. Thank you all for being here. Don't forget our upcoming events. Please check the website for the podcast, the charts, anything else uh, coming up. Anything else, uh, questions otherwise? Thank you all for coming. Have a great day.